Hello and welcome to the Elemental Entrepreneurship Podcast. The elements are a metaphor, a simple organizational system to help us understand business and ourselves as business owners. And they are the components of nature, the roots of magic, and the building blocks of life. We all have some aspects of life and business where we thrive and others that are more challenging. By looking at these things elementally, we remove shame and judgment and can discern which elements would help us bring ourselves into balance. Earth, root chakra, Capricorn, Taurus, Virgo. Earth rules the parts of business that keep us safe and secure as we do our soul work. Sustainability, finances, contracts, systems, our core values, and clarity about exactly what our medicine is and how we fit into the ecosystem are governed by Earth element. Air, heart and third eye chakra, Gemini, Libra, Aquarius. Air rules our big vision, our ultimate picture of success. It's where we connect our medicine to a mission and decide what kind of impact we want to create during our time on this planet. Water, sacral chakra, cancer, Scorpio, Pisces. This is the realm of our emotions and business is emotional. How we feel about people, ourselves, visibility, uncertainty, how we handle stress and disappointment, all of this and more affects how you navigate your business. Water element is where we learn to resource ourselves and expand our capacity to hold the big feelings that come with doing our work in the world. Fire, solar plexus chakra, Aries, Leo, Sagittarius. Fire is where we take our gifts, our uniqueness, and our creations and we blaze them out into the world. All things selling, marketing, and the day-to-day actions of running our business are ruled by fire. Too much fire and we burn out. Not enough, and our business never makes it off the ground. And spirit, crown chakra. Every good gardener knows the day you plant the seed is not the day you eat the fruit. Spirit rules the faith required to keep tending your business long before you've seen a single sprout of evidence that it's growing. No matter what you believe in, spirit element is what you travel through after you leap and before you land. Life thrives when all of the elements are in balance. So do you, and so will your business. To find out your dominant element, take our quiz at intuitiveedgecoaching.com slash quiz. Now let's get into today's episode. Hello, beautiful friends. Welcome back to the Elemental Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and as always, I'm so grateful that you are here listening to this. If you are returning, welcome back. If you're new here, I'm glad you're here. So today's episode, well, wait, before I even say that, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, y'all. It is January 4th. I am still pretty mushy in terms of like knowing what day it is and what time it is. I almost missed uh, one of my own appointments today. You know, we are slowly emerging back into the land of somewhat regularly scheduled programming. Um, So wherever you are, I hope that you are easing your way into 2024. Uh, I'm excited though, I will say. I'm excited for this eight year. I feel a shift in momentum. I feel change and good energy and I'm excited for it. So here's to all of us. Cheers through the uh, through the screen, through the phone, through the car speaker, wherever you're listening to this. Clink, clink. Cheers to us. This is going to be a great year. Let's get it. Let's go. So now, every day this month, in the month of January, I uh, made a promise to myself that I would go live on YouTube because I don't know if you've been around for a while, but I am going dark on Instagram and I made a whole uh, episode about why I'm leaving Instagram and what I'm doing for marketing instead. Uh, But the short answer is I'm moving over to YouTube and making that my primary marketing platform. And since January is the official month that I declared I would be going dark on Instagram, I decided that to get into the flow of being a YouTube girly, I would start doing a live a day in January. Not that I'm going to do a live a day forever going forward, but just for this first month uh, to build some momentum, to build some traction, to get used to being on the platform, that I would just be over there. And so I've been doing a live a day. I'm having a lot of fun and I'm talking a lot about goals and goal setting and how to set goals that we actually reach. 
Um, you know, it's the top of the year. People talk about how only 8% of people reach their New Year's resolutions. And I really love intention setting. I love setting goals at the top of the year. I love setting goals and doing review at my birthday. I think of annual goal setting and planning monthly and weekly as being kind of these nesting dolls that I work with regularly. And so I do tend to be one of the people in the 8% who reaches my goals. And I'm very, very interested in why we struggle to achieve the things that we want for ourselves and why it's so um, common to think that we want something and then struggle to make our behavior match our desire. That is something that I have really dedicated my life to studying and working with as a coach. And so I'm having a lot of fun over there talking about um, this topic. And so if you're not subscribed on YouTube yet, make sure you head over to youtube.com slash at symbol intuitive edge coaching and subscribe. It really helps me out if you subscribe over there. And um, the podcast interviews are also becoming video interviews. So if you have episodes that you like with guests, you can see them uh, in video form over on the YouTube so today's episode was my first YouTube live of 2024 and in this episode I'm going to talk about why 92% of New Year's resolutions fail and what you can do to make sure that you are in the 8%. So we're going to get into that in just a moment. One quick thing I want to share before we get into that is that for the top of the year to help you set and reach your intentions for 2024, I'm doing something I don't usually do, which is that I'm opening up some one-off coaching sessions. Usually the only way to work with me is to be a member of my membership, the Elemental Entrepreneurship Coven, or to work with me long-term in a package that's six months or a year. I rarely open up uh, one-off sessions, but um, the top of the year is a great time to do it because there is really a lot we can tackle in one session. And if we're focused on creating plans for the year, creating messaging pillars or your messaging or content plans for the year, looking at your offer suite, doing some pricing adjustments, any things that we can really get organized and set up for your success at the top of the year, this is a great time to do a single session uh, devoted to just one or two topics. So I I am opening up some single sessions. I am putting them on sale. They're $100 off and the link to book one will be in the show notes. So if you would like to get together with me for 90 minutes and go hard on one or two topics that you feel will really set you up for success in 2024, it would be an honor to support you in that. So the link for that will be in the show notes as well as the link to the YouTube. Without further ado, let's get into our first episode of 2024. Happy New Year, everybody. This month, I'm going to be going live on YouTube every day to talk about goal setting, resolutions, beginning of the year intention setting, and getting into why so many New Year's resolutions fail. So you may have heard the statistic, 92% of New Year's resolutions are not achieved. So only 8% of people are achieving their New Year's resolutions. If 100 of us see this video today, by the end of the year, really by February, only eight of us are still going to be keeping our New Year's resolutions up. And I think this is not great. Uh, I per personally love New Year's energy. I love intention setting. I love goal setting. I have devoted my life to personal development and growth and improvement. And I am one of the 8%. I regularly achieve the intentions that I set for myself at the top of the year, and I've been working on it for a really long time. And so I have some thoughts, and I'm going to get into some stuff, first of all, about why certain types of goal setting are less likely to be successful. And then I'm also going to talk about 
some deeper reasons behind why I think so many people do not achieve the goals that they set for themselves, whether they're New Year's goals or birthday goals or Monday goals. We do tend to set goals at temporal points. So we do tend to go top of the year, our birthday, Monday, top of the month. Like that is where people tend to attach a goal to a a point in time. So wherever it is that you're starting from when you're setting a goal, I would love to see you be the type of person who regularly sets goals and accomplishes them. So I want to start by talking about the main types of goals that we set. They are outcome, habit, abstinence, and holistic. So an outcome goal is a very clearly defined, specific, I am going to blank, right? Like I am going to uh, lose a certain number of pounds or be able to lift a certain amount of weight, or I am going to grow my Instagram by a thousand followers. I'm going to raise my business revenue to six figures. We is measurable and there's a specific outcome that we're shooting for. I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to do my first public speaking engagement, clear outcome. The next is a habit goal, and that might be something more like I'm going to cook at home every day. I'm going to lift weights three times a week. I'm going to practice my guitar every day. So habit goals are more process-oriented. Next is abstinence goals. I'm going to stop doing something. I'm going to stop drinking coffee. I'm going to stop drinking alcohol. I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to stop uh, scrolling on Instagram in my bed abstinence goals, things we're cutting out, and then holistic goals. And these ones are like the most kind of pie in the sky, the most vague. They're like, I'm just going to be nicer. (laughs) I'm going to be a more cheerful person. I'm going to chill out more. And if you have to guess which kind of goal is the first one that gets dropped, what would you guess? Play it at home with me, Blue's Clues. Which one do you think gets dropped the fastest? If you're yelling holistic, you are correct. Holistic goals get dropped the fastest. And I'm sure if you guess that, then you can already guess why. And it's usually that they are just too vague. They're too big. They are too nondescript. They're too hard to quantify. And so it can be challenging to know whether or not you're reaching them and they just end up falling by the wayside. Abstinence goals also tend to be ones that are hard to stick to for reasons that I'm going to get into a little bit later, but when we're cutting something out, that tends to be one that is hard for people to to stick to long-term. You have a hard day, you have a busy week, you have a stressful situation, and that thing that you are cutting out that may have been one of your more unhealthy coping mechanisms seems extra inviting and you just want to go right back to it. And so that can happen. Habit goals and outcome goals do tend to be more likely to be stuck to for a little bit longer. And it's because they're usually measurable. If it's a habit goal, it's usually incremental. And incremental is easier for us to manage. If my goal is to lift weights three times a week, then every single week I have a chance to hit that goal and to celebrate that I accomplished it. And we're going to get into celebration in a little bit, but that really does tend to make it easier for us to see change really quickly and to track our progress. And that makes it continue to be motivating. Whereas, um, I'm going to be nicer. We're like, I don't, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. Who knows? I can't really tell. I feel like I'm being nicer, but how can I quantify that? Same with outcome goals. So where outcome goals and habit goals do tend to fall down is one of two ways. So with outcome goals, it's about making your outcome too far from where you are now so that it feels impossible, right? So if you were to say, I want to grow my Instagram by 5,000 followers this year, that's a great outcome goal. But that 5,000 number might feel so daunting and so big that as you're going along the process and you're seeing small incremental growth, you might not feel that good about it. And it might be easier to get discouraged and to just say, oh, fuck it. I'll get what I get and I'll try next year. And that might just drop off. 
With habit goals, one of the ways that we fall off is trying to change too many of our habits too quickly. So it takes a while to build a new habit. And sometimes this can also be about setting habits that are really lofty for where you are now. So if you have been mostly sedentary all day long for the past couple years and you go, I'm going to run a marathon in the first three months of the year, that might be too lofty an outcome goal or too lofty a habit, right? So I'm going to go from mostly sedentary to running every day. That might be too, it might be a great habit goal for someone else. It's not necessarily the best habit goal for you. If your goal is I'm going to stop checking Instagram from my bed, but right now that is a primary form of comfort for you, it might be difficult to change that habit and a bunch of other habits right off the bat. And so habit change tends to work best when we do small manageable changes and we do one for a certain period of time and get that one really locked in and then add another one because that also allows us to troubleshoot when our habit change isn't going the way that we want it to. So say for instance, I'm going to cook one meal a day at home. You can track that for a week and notice, oh, Thursdays and Fridays, it's really hard for me to cook at home because my day is a lot busier. And that allows you to actually troubleshoot and tweak and figure out what you need to do to make that habit achievable. And you can try again and try again and try again. Once you've gotten it locked in for say a month, then you can add in another new habit and see how that goes. So I'm going to talk a little bit about other reasons that some goals may not happen. Um, As we talked about with holistic goals, being too general is a big reason that most of our goal setting falls apart. Uh, I'm going to be nicer. (laughs) Well, a beautiful intention, it might be so general that there's no real way to measure whether or not it's happening. Uh, I want to feel better. That's a great goal. How will you measure whether or not it's happening? So in general, if we've heard of SMART goals, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, time-bound, the best goals fit in those containers because we do really well most of the time with things that we can keep track of. We need some little thing to hold on to. And we also do best when there are lots of milestones to celebrate. That's why a huge outcome goal, like I want to grow my Instagram by 5,000 followers, might cause us to quit because if we don't see the growth we're looking for fast enough, we can get discouraged. But if we took that 5,000 and we broke that number down by 12 and we knew how many followers we wanted monthly, and then we took that and we broke that number down by week and we started tracking follower growth by week, that might be a little bit easier for us to go after because it feels manageable. And because every week you hit your goal, you get to celebrate. So one reason that I think a lot of people don't accomplish their goals is actually because of failure to celebrate. If you've been in my world, if you're in any of my coaching groups, if you've ever worked with me, fail, uh, celebration is a huge thing that we talk about. So many of us never allow ourselves to celebrate anything and never allow ourselves to really feel our accomplishments. We're so focused on what we have yet to do, what we have yet to accomplish, all the things that we think we're lacking, all of the ways that we didn't quite get what we thought we were going to get, that we don't take the time to ever allow ourselves to really feel, not just say it, but feel it, to have a celebration, to go out with a friend and be like, man, I really did that. And to receive that feeling of completion and celebration and pause and rest and accolade before we move on to the next thing, then everything feels like a slog and it feels like this never ending drain and we can't get there. And it starts to make us feel bad. It starts to make us, that was English, starts to make us feel bad about ourselves. And so failure to celebrate can really hold us back from achieving our goals and making progress. So we want to set small, manageable chunks, and then we want to give ourselves real um, credit and appreciation and celebration when we hit those small, manageable chunks. 
I want to pause real quick to say uh, in the show notes, I am putting in a free gift to you. It is an end of year, an annual review and planning journal, and it's going to take you through several different areas of life and business. And it's going to give you an opportunity first to review and to take that time to celebrate yourself and everything that you've accomplished before you move on to setting intentions for the year ahead. So click the link in the show notes. Make sure that you get that annual planning and review journal. It's absolutely free. You can just click the link and grab it. So another way that I think that we sabotage our goals is by not taking the time at the beginning to get clear on where we're actually at now, to get clear on our starting point. And this is connected to not allowing ourselves to celebrate. I think sometimes we avoid honest introspection around how we're doing in each area of life. How am I taking care of myself? How am I doing with my wellness? How am I eating? How am I sleeping? How are my relationships? How's my business going? How am I doing with my art practices? How am I doing in my spiritual practices? Like really sitting down and asking yourself, where am I at in these areas of my life right now? And not doing that before we head off to the next thing can set us up to not succeed because we may be setting an outcome that's too big. We may be setting an outcome that doesn't take into account where we are right now. So for instance, if where you are right now is that 2023 felt like a really hard year, as I'm recording this, it is New Year's Day 2024. So if you're like 2023 felt like a really hard year. Setting a bunch of lofty goals for 2024 might not be the best idea at first. The first thing we may we, we may want to do is set a goal around forgiving ourselves, forgiving other people, and releasing any attachments that we have to the events that happened in 2023. That may be the place we want to start. And if we're not taking the time to really acknowledge where we're at right now, we might skip some important things that our inner self needs before we're ready to move on. I also think about this as like, if you're trying to drive somewhere and your GPS, your Waze, your Google Maps or whatever isn't loading, you don't just drive. You don't just get on the freeway and hope that you figure it out because you know you might go in the wrong direction. We pull over and we figure out where am I at right now and where am I headed and what's the route from here to there? We need that moment of pulling over. And so taking time before we set goals or intentions to first accurately and honestly, to the best of our ability, assess where am I starting from sets us up for a better chance of achieving the outcome that we're looking for. Now, connected to that is why. Why do I want to achieve this? Do I want to achieve it because I think I should? Do I want to achieve it because here's one with abstinence goals, right? Like quitting smoking. I know I should. I don't want to. I know it's good for me. And so I'm reluctantly doing it and I really don't want to. Like we're not likely to be successful with that emotional approach to cutting something out. It's it's set up to be hard. I don't want to. I'm doing it because I feel like I should. If that should word is in there, it's going to be really hard for us to do it. We need to find intrinsic motivation for why we want to do something. And so first stopping to pull over and take an accurate assessment of like, where am I at right now? What's going on in my life? How do I feel? What do I need? What do I want today? Today, where I'm at in my life right now today, what do I want? What's important to me? And why is it important? Because if we don't have intrinsic motivation for behavior change, we're going to struggle to, uh, my friend, Dr. Chrisley, he calls it do the hard thing when the easy thing's available, right? So if I'm not connected to my intrinsic motivation for why I want to stop scrolling on Instagram in bed at night, then the easy thing's available, right? My phone is available. Instagram's available. So why would I do the hard thing? The hard thing is 
do something else. The hard thing is don't reach for your phone. The hard thing is keep your phone on the charger in the other room and don't go get it. The easy thing is doing what's familiar. So if I'm not connected to why this is important to me on a day that I'm tired, on a day that my motivation for this plan has waned, what's going to help me do the hard thing when the easy thing's available? That thing for most of us is being really connected to why we want to do this thing and having that be front and center and reminding ourselves regularly, why did I decide I was going to do this challenging thing? Hey, entrepreneur, I don't care what stage of business you're in. If you're doing it alone, you're doing it wrong. We need people. We need people in our corner. We need outside eyes. We need someone to go to. We need that in case of emergency break glass person that we can call when we're stuck or frustrated or overwhelmed, when we aren't sure what move to make, or when we just want to celebrate our accomplishments. We need the right people on our team. No one who has ever built a big, successful business does it alone. You should not be trying to do it all alone. You need people in your corner because owning and running a business might be one of the hardest things you ever do. And most people in your life simply won't be able to relate or guide you if they've never done what you're trying to do. Ideally, I'd like to see you in one-on-one coaching so that I can really be a partner to you behind the scenes in the day-to-day of your business and walk alongside you through every season, every stage, even into the nitty-gritty details. But if you're not ready for that, at the very least, I want you to get into the Elemental Entrepreneurship Coven. Elemental Entrepreneurship Coven is the number one resource you need for success as a heart-centered creative entrepreneur. There is truly nothing else like it on the market. It's a hybrid of courses, group coaching, a mastermind, and a brilliant supportive community all in one. Joining the Coven will connect you to teaching and tools designed to guide you through every single step of building and scaling your business to six figures. No more questioning what to do all by yourself. No more buying random one-off courses on different topics and trying to patchwork it all together. Every single topic you need is covered. We're talking from legal structure to contracts to branding to marketing to product development, launching, you name it, it's in here. Can you imagine never having to buy another course again because you've already got it all under one roof and if you need something, you can just search it and find it? That alone is worth the investment, but you also get access to bi-weekly high-impact live group coaching sessions with me, ongoing workshops with guest experts, and our private Facebook group so that you can stop doing business alone. And you should. An Elemental Entrepreneurship Coven is one amazing way that you can do that. Go to intuitiveedgecoaching.com slash coven, C-O-V-E-N, to join today. And as a special thank you for being a listener to the pod, simply enter the code podcast on any checkout page for 11% off your first three months of membership at any level. That's intuitiveedgecoaching.com slash coven and enter the code podcast at checkout. I can't wait to help you grow your business so that you can make a bigger impact, help more people, share your gifts with a larger audience, and make the money you deserve to be making for your gifts, skills, and talents. But most of all, I want to see you so confident and so self-assured that you are just as talented at running a business as you are at the thing you do. And that is within reach when you join the coven. So I can't wait to see you inside. Let's get back to the show. Another reason that I feel like many of us struggle to reach our goals is we put too much emphasis on behavior without focusing enough on environment and identity. So for example, back to our smoking example, I'm a smoker and that's part of my identity, right? It's not just I smoke cigarettes. I'm not a smoker, by the way, but it's not just I smoke. It's I'm a smoker. That's who I am. It's part of my identity. When the smokers go outside, I go outside, right? This is part of how I think of myself. It's part of my self-concept. And so if I'm just going to try to change the behavior but not adopt the identity of I'm a non-smoker, it's going to be really challenging, right? Thinking of myself as a smoker who's not smoking is a lot harder than becoming a non-smoker. 
and changing at the identity level. It allows us to think about what does a non-smoker do? Oh, when everyone goes outside, they don't. What are they doing inside? Get really curious about that. What are the non-smokers doing inside? It's a secret club that I've never been a part of. And now I'm really excited to join it and get to see what's happening on the other side of the, of the door from the smokers. Um, as a smoker, I stop at the gas station and I buy cigarettes regularly. As a non-smoker, I no longer do that. So what do I do instead? What do non-smokers do? What do non-smokers do at the gas station? How do they move and how is it different? When we can approach change on the identity level, to the example of growing our Instagram by 5,000 followers, maybe it's I make a reel a day. I'm a person who makes a reel a day. I'm a person who actively grows my following as opposed to I don't really want to do this and I don't really care about social media. I kind of hate it. I reluctantly know that I need to do it because I need a following because I want to sell stuff, but I don't really want to be on social media. That is so much harder, right? You're asking yourself to do a behavior that doesn't align with the way that you think about yourself. And Gary Mack, he wrote the book Mind Gym, one of my favorite books, says you cannot outperform your self-concept. And I think that that is such a powerful statement and it's so true. We cannot outperform our self-concept. So if your self-concept is I'm a smoker, but I'm not smoking, that's going to be really hard. Right now I'm going through this with I just quit drinking coffee and I am a coffee drinker. I just said it. I have historically been a coffee drinker. I've been a coffee fiend. I'm a coffee girly. People are like coffee or tea. I'm like, what are you even talking about? That's not an, that's no, like coffee forever. I hang out in coffee shops. I love coffee shop culture. Your girl likes coffee and I am now not a coffee drinker. And I've been thinking so much about people I meet who don't drink coffee. They just don't do it. I'm like, oh, do you drink coffee? They're like, no, they just wake up and live life. And I'm like, wow, like I have not experienced this since childhood. And I am now the kind of person who doesn't drink coffee. I'm the kind of person who wakes up in the morning and like drinks water and does other things in my morning that are not centered around putting stimulants into my brain. And I'm still acclimating to that. But I didn't start with, I'm a coffee drinker who's taking coffee away and I'm setting myself up to struggle and I'm setting myself up to hate it. And I'm setting myself up to be resistant and to be upset about it. I don't want to do that. What I started with was, you know those people who just don't drink coffee? What are they like? How do they live? What is it like to be like that? This also brings me into what I like to experiment with in goal setting, which is multiverse theory and timelines, right? So there's a multiverse version of me that's never drinking, drinking, drink, never drink coffee. And I can tap into that version of myself and be like, I wonder what she's like. I want to meet her. I want to see what she's like. The version of me that lifts weights three days a week without fail because she just loves strength training. That version of me exists on a multiverse timeline. She doesn't drink coffee. She goes to the gym three days a week and lifts weights. And like, you know, she does all these things and I can tap into that alternate version. And really this, I would do this in my journal. What is she like? What are her habits like? What is her ritual like now? What is her morning routine like that's different than mine? And that gives me really good insight on how to embody this at the identity level. Non-coffee drinkers are never confused about whether or not they should have coffee today. Non-smokers never wonder whether or not they should have a cigarette. It's not what they do. And so by changing it at the identity level, then changing the behavior becomes a little bit easier. Same thing with environment. So for instance, one of the first things I did when I stopped drinking coffee is I put my coffee makers, I had two because I had an iced coffee maker and a regular one. I put my coffee makers in the garage. I don't have them in my kitchen. I set my environment up to make it easier to not be reminded that I used to be a coffee drinker. They're just gone, right? If I stop drinking alcohol, I don't then keep booze in my house. I would make it easier for myself by giving it all away. I'd have a party and let everyone drink it, but I don't want to have it in my house. People who don't drink alcohol don't keep alcohol in their house, right? They just don't drink and it's not there for them. Um, also thinking about alcohol is top of mind because I'm not drinking this year either. So 
non-drinkers who go to bars and go to parties don't struggle with whether or not they should drink. They just don't drink. They're just like, oh, I just, I don't drink, right? I meet people like that. They're like, oh, I don't drink alcohol. I don't like it. Okay, cool. Like that is a personality type and they can be in those environments without feeling challenged to engage in a behavior that contradicts their identity. But I also know that it may be easier for me at the beginning stages of not drinking to not hang out in bars. It might be easier for me to change my environments. It might be easier for me if I'm going to go on a date to be like, do you want to meet up and go for a walk? Do you want to meet up and have tea? Do you want to meet up and go to an art museum? Like we don't have to center these gatherings around this thing. And that makes it easier because I'm setting my environment up to support me in succeeding. If your goal is to go for a walk every morning, something as simple as setting out the clothes you're going to wear for your walk and setting your shoes right by your bed so that they are the first thing you see is something that can make this habit easier. And y'all, if you're like me, uh, maybe a little neuro squiggly, um, if there are like five steps I have to take to do the one thing I want to do, I'm probably not going to do it. So when my goal for one year, my goal is to do yoga every day. One of the uh, criteria of that was I just have to get on my yoga mat. So it doesn't have to be an hour-long practice, doesn't have to be a specific type. I can sit on my yoga mat and breathe. I can just do shavasana, but I'm doing yoga for 365 days. One of the ways that I was able to do that was that I set my yoga mat and my props out. I made a place for them. I set up an environment and I kept it clear because I knew that one of my barriers to doing the practice was all my yoga stuff was in the back of a closet or my yoga mat was in my car. I didn't know where it was. When we set ourselves up to succeed, right? I'm going to work at my desk every day. Well, are you if your desk is covered in clothes? Probably not. So we want to set our environment up to support us in the behavior that we say we're going to do. We want to make it so easy to do the behavior that it eliminates some of that challenge of doing the hard thing when the easy thing is available. We make the behavior an easier thing to engage in. So we talked about the types of habits. We talked about some reasons that some goals don't work. And now I'm going to get into some deeper ones. And these ones might sting a little. I love you so much. You may be comfortable being the kind of person who breaks commitments to yourself. You may be okay with being the kind of person who is not your word to yourself. And here's where this gets messed up. A lot of the people I know who have this would never let down a commitment they made to someone else. They are the type of people who, if I say it's getting done, it's getting done. If I say it to somebody else, if I tell someone I'm doing this for you, they can count on me and they know that I'm going to do it. If I tell someone I'm going to be there at a certain time, I am there at that time. I do not let people down. And they also tend to have a story that says, other people always let me down. No one comes through for me the way I come through for other people. I always am my word. I always show up for my friends. I always show up for my family. I always give to my colleagues, but they don't give to me in the same way. People always disappoint me. People always let me down. You are also people. And our brain is a machine that searches for evidence that it is correct. And so if you have a deep story that says people always let me down, that means we're used to feeling let down, disappointed. There's a self-worth wound there that says I am not worthy of people showing up for me and giving to me. Ho-hum, Eeyore, I'm used to it. It's fine. It is what it is. I always show up for other people, but nobody comes through for me. I'm always the one left out. I'm always the one who ends up holding the bag. I'm always the one who ends up having to deal with the consequences. There is no way to have that story and not also participate in that behavior with yourself in order to perpetuate that feeling. Now, here's where this goes extra deep. If you were to become the kind of person who is your word to yourself, 
if I say I'm doing something, I do it because I love myself. I value myself. I respect myself. And I show myself that I love, value, and respect myself by keeping my commitments to myself. If I say I'm doing something, it is done. Whether future me feels like it in the moment or not, I'm not negotiating with myself about it. I am showing myself that I keep commitments to myself. I am a trustworthy, dependable source in my own life for myself. If we become that, if we become the person who takes nothing less, then if someone makes a commitment to me, it's going to happen. We may have to change who we allow in our lives. We may have to start setting some whole new boundaries and standards with other people because how are we going to let other people always let us down when we never let ourselves down? When we are the kind of person who follows through on our commitments to ourselves and accepts nothing less than I follow through on commitments to myself, how are we going to let other people not hold that up? We're probably not going to. We're probably going to have to start being like, you have to meet and match me. And the way that I am is if I tell myself I'm doing something, it's getting done. And if I tell you I'm doing something, it's getting done. And so I expect that if you tell me you're doing something, it is getting done. And for a lot of us with self-worth wounds, there's also then scarcity. If I cut these people off, I will be left with nothing. I will be left with no one. The best thing I can hope for is people who are in my life who overly rely on, on me, but I can't really rely on them. If I cut those people off, will I have no one, right? And so we have to go in and look at why is it acceptable for me to not be my word to myself? Why is it acceptable for me to not keep commitments to myself the way that I keep commitments to other people? Why is it acceptable for me to treat myself like the things that I want aren't that important, aren't worth effort? Because you know if you made a commitment to your boss that something's getting done and you have to stay late and you have to get up early and you have to do this and you have to do that, you probably are going to do it. But why wouldn't you do that for yourself if your goal requires that you get a little, get up a little bit earlier or if you put yourself out there in a way that's uncomfortable? If that's what your goal requires, why wouldn't you go as hard for your goals for yourself as you do for other people? What's underneath that? Do we need to raise the self-worth there so that we are our word to ourselves? Similarly to why is it okay for me to break commitments to myself? Why is it okay for me to not be honest with myself? Why is it okay for me to not be honest with myself about my behavior? If I told myself this is what I'm doing and I am now not doing it, but I'm kind of making excuses or I'm like shrugging it off or I'm like, no, it's okay. Um, and this is not to say beat yourself up. That's not what it's about. But are we being honest with ourselves about our behavior? If we get honest with ourselves about our behavior, we can assess it. We can look at what's going on and say, okay, I said I was going to go to the gym three mornings in the week and lift weights, but I only went once. Why? And literally sit there and journal it out and be honest. I was tired. Okay, well, what do I need to do? Do I need to go to bed earlier? Why am I not getting good sleep? What can I potentially do about that? I didn't feel like it. Okay, well, why am I making the feelings that I have in the moment more important than the commitments that I make to myself? What is going on with me? Why am I behaving the way that I'm behaving? Why am I not coming through with the things I said I was going to come through with. And again, the goal is not to shame ourselves. The goal is not to beat ourselves up. The goal is not to be uncompassionate. But if we can't assess what's happening, we can't make adjustments and we can't change it. And making adjustments and changing it is the pathway to the success that we're looking for. Okay, so one or two days you missed it, that's going to happen. So another reason that we may miss out on goals is because we get into all or nothing thinking. If I missed a day, I have to start over or I missed a day. So now it's fucked and I'll just start at the beginning of next month or I'll wait until next year. I'll wait until next Monday, as opposed to there are going to be days that I don't hit my targets. There are going to be days that I don't drink as much water as I said I was going to. There are going to be days where things don't go exactly the way that I planned them to. And when that happens, not if that happens, when that happens, I am going to just 
love up on myself, check in with myself, see if anything needs to be adjusted, forgive myself quickly and move on and keep going. It's not all over because I had one you know, day that I didn't do what I said I was going to do. But when it's five days, six days, seven days, eight days, 10 days, that's where that honesty part comes in. Am I being honest with myself about what's really going on in my life? And am I being unfair or too harsh with myself? Am I making this unpleasant for myself? Am I seeking the payoff of now I get to go back to being let down and the person who doesn't follow through on things and that identity feels comforting, right? We have to be honest about where we're at and what's happening. And when we're not, the question to ask is, why is it okay for me not to be honest with myself? Why is it okay for me not to be forthcoming? Why is it okay for me not to take that moment for introspection? And if the answer is because if I'm honest with myself, then I'm mean to myself, we got to correct that, right? The goal of being honest with ourselves is not to then use it to shame or guilt ourselves. Shame and guilt are not great long-term motivating strategies for change. They don't tend to work. Um, but it also means we can't get help, right? This is a suffer in silence. I do everything on my own. I isolate when things aren't going well because I don't want anyone to see me doing badly kind of trait. They go those uh, traits kind of go together, right? So if you're the kind of person who immediately gets into community, tells on yourself, I'm a tell on myself person. I'm going to call my best friend and be like, let me tell you what I've been doing. Cause I want to out myself as quickly as possible so that I can then hear someone who loves me say, why are you doing that? What's going on? How are you feeling? And I can talk through it and I can maybe get some support. We can talk about strategies. That is the loving path. That is the supportive path is to be honest, to be clear, to get the information out, whether to yourself or with an accountability buddy, a coach, a friend, a therapist, and talk through why am I struggling to uphold this commitment? The last one uh, that I'm going to cover is something that I've been calling a blend of magical thinking and projecting future optimism, which is kind of like an, I think like an uh, overestimation of the power of what time is. So we think of our future self as being like much more capable and resourced, but kind of for no reason. So I'm not doing my goal today, but I know I'm going to do it tomorrow. Well, why is tomorrow going to be different than today, right? Oh, I know that I'm not um, posting a reel a day right now for my goal of growing my Instagram to 5,000 followers. I'm not doing growth activities on Instagram right now, but I know I'm going to. I'm going to start. And we have this future concept, right? We have a version of ourselves in our head that's taking all these different actions and doing all these things that present us is kind of falling off on. And I feel like that's very generous and very sweet of us. And we may be assigning some magical thinking to this future version of ourselves. How is this future version of ourselves going to be doing this thing that we're struggling to do in the present? How are they going to be resourced differently? How are they going to feel different? What is setting them up for success that we don't have in this current moment? And how do we think we're going to get there by not taking actions in this current moment that would set future us up for that success? So Time's not going to do it, right? Just like, oh, because it's next month, because it's Monday, because it's my birthday, I'm going to start magically being different. Like, probably not. We still probably are going to have to get honest with ourselves about our starting point and look at how we engage with commitments to ourselves. And we're going to have to start making steps to get ourselves where we need to be. So, if this is hitting, if the if the revelation that you're having in this moment is I do tend to drop commitments to myself and I'm not really sure why, the only New Year's resolution I would recommend you set for all of 2024 is to become the kind of person who keeps commitments to yourself. Because if you can dial that in, you will never have a problem setting goals again for the rest of your damn life. If you become the kind of person who always follows through on your commitments to yourself, just imagine what else would change. And to do this, I would start very small. I would start with one manageable habit, one commitment that you can keep to yourself every day. Back to the idea of not, not scrolling on Instagram in bed. Maybe it's that you uninstall Instagram every day and that's the behavior. And you show yourself for months, I can keep this commitment that I made to myself. Maybe it's I'm going to write 
500 words a day. And you show yourself, I keep this commitment to myself. I set up my desk. I put my laptop there. I set up a timer that goes off when it's writing time and I sit down and I write. And I'm doing that every single day. And that is the one commitment that I'm going to show myself without fail that if I make a commitment to myself, I keep it. If you focus on that one thing for 2024, your life will change, period. If you feel like you're already pretty good at keeping commitments to yourself, then I would definitely look at making your goals measurable, right? Use the SMART goal format. You can fully Google that and just write that out. If, is every single goal that I'm setting for myself specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-bound? Am I setting small milestones and chunking things down into daily behavioral things that I can manage? I would take a look at all or nothing thinking. Am I compassionate with myself? Am I giving myself a lot of space to know that some days I'm going to hit my targets and some days I'm not, and it's okay either way. I love myself either way. I'm going to show up again tomorrow either way. I'm not going to say, oh, it's all fucked now and quit. I'm going to keep going. Are we um, stacking our habits? right? One habit at a time before we add another one, getting one really dialed in before we add another one. Are we celebrating our milestones? And the most important one, I think, am I the kind of person who falls in love with the process? Which is why, one of the reasons why I feel like habit-based goals are more achievable and maybe better for our mental health than outcome-based goals. We can have an outcome-based goal and be like, I'm going to hate every step of this process, but I want this outcome. It's going to be harder. If we can be the kind of person who falls in love with the process. I love making a reel a day. I love being the kind of person who leaves my phone on the charger. I love lifting weights. I love not being a coffee drinker. I love this about myself. I'm in love with the process of doing this thing or the type of person I'm becoming. If we can fall in love with process and be dedicated to process on a day by day or a few times a day, if it's smoking or something like that, if we can be focused on falling in love with the process on a day by day level, shrink that timeline down and really focus on what's right in front of us and what we can control, we tend to get better results. And as we all know, Time is really weird in that like it moves really fast and really slow at the same time. So if you are focused daily on your behaviors and falling in love with the process and the person that you're becoming and another day living in this new identity, another day keeping commitments to yourself, you will look up and it will be 2025. Like it's our, it already happened. Like that it was, that was it. 2024 just ended. Um, it goes by really, really fast. So when we can stay focused on the small chunks, then the time will pass quickly. And then when you look back, you're going to be amazed at how many things you were able to accomplish in this short period of time. Okay. That's everything I have for you. If you have thoughts, if you have questions, if you have concerns, if you have comments, you're welcome to drop them in the comments. If you're watching this on Instagram, this is just a reminder that I'm closing my Instagram soon. And this is part of a live series I'm doing right now over here on YouTube. I'm going live every day of January in YouTube to talk about goals and habits and ways that we can change neuroplasticity, personal development, go on over there and follow me on YouTube at Intuitive Edge Coaching. And everyone who's on YouTube, make sure you download that annual review and planning journal. The link is in the show notes. If you're on Instagram, go to YouTube and get it. Okay, love you. Bye. Oh, if you're watching on uh, YouTube also, please like, share, and subscribe. It really helps me out. That's our episode for today. Thank you as always for being here and for listening to the podcast. I know there are so many things that you could be doing with your time. So many things you could be listening to. It is an honor that you choose to be here. Connect with me on Instagram at intuitive edge coaching. Have a great day.